Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios on the Elite Sports Radio Network. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host from Houston, Texas, the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas. His name is Michael Lagaris. Say what's up, Mike. My name is Michael Lagaris, and I'm blasting from H-Town. And just to let you all know, Keith, we just hit a milestone, didn't we? Oh, we did. Mike, we, um, it seems, Mike, every single week we get a few more listeners, a few more people following us on social media, a few more people downloading and supporting us, which has been tremendous. And this week, finally, Mike, in less than two months from our start, we have now eclipsed 1,000 download listens of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. From where we started, no one really knowing where we are, a few little listens here and there, Mike, slowly the snowball's rolling downhill. As we said, Mike, the eventual full media takeover by me and you will occur. Every journey begins with one step. Now we're a thousand steps in, and I want to thank <laughs> and I want to thank everybody for supporting us. It's awesome. Uh, we're over with people following us on social media and supporting us. We really do appreciate it. Everybody, we're joined for the first time in studio at Crystal Lake Studios by a fellow Jet fan, by a fellow member of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, a Jet fan, season ticket holder, section 123. Welcome, Jay Tomasulo, to the podcast, everyone. How's it going, everybody? Thankful I'm here. I want to thank uh, Keith and Mike for letting me come on. I'm honored. I want to let them know that they're representing the Jet fans. Very, very great here. The true Jet fans out there. Just want to thank they're doing a great job. Awesome. Thank you very much. Jay. I appreciate it. Appreciate right, the love. Exactly. And Jay is a big time Jet fan, guys. He's at every game. Rain, snow, boiling heat like last week. We were all there. It was tough. And you know, the game last week, Mike, oh goodness. I mean, uh, a lot. We're going to get into it. We're going to break down the game. We will get into the game. We'll walk through it. I mean, the story of the game, Mike, penalties, mistakes, turnovers, Highlighted the game. Sam was in the middle of it all. I just t- such a tough game to walk away from. I under- the, the Browns hadn't won 19 games as we know. Baker Mayfield comes in with the Superman cape on. Tyrod Taylor goes out. I couldn't help but think this, Mike. Before we talk about this game, I couldn't help but think this. I was at a game many years ago. Mo Lewis hit Drew Bledsoe. No, not again. Knocked him out of a game. Tom Brady came in. They won the game. Happened right in my face. And then again, all these years later, you have Tyrod Taylor gets knocked out of the game. He's playing horribly, Tyrod. At, at that point, I think he was four for 14 or something, Mike. He gets knocked out. Baker Mayfield comes in, and we just could not stop him. The pass rush disappears right when he came in. It just completely disappeared. I have no idea what happened. We're getting penalties in the worst possible situations, Mike. Very reminiscent of the week before versus the Dolphins, the same way we lost that game. I think Cleveland played a little bit better with Baker Mayfield, I think, than the Dolphins played at any point in that game. Mike, your overall takeaways from the game, Sam didn't play that well, had some mistakes. What do you feel about it? You know... I'm a really lucky guy. I think I've been blessed in life. And this is one of those games that you, like, question life. Like, I'm, I'm just so angry. Like, why am I so mad? I wake up the next day. I've got a good, beautiful life I live. And I'm just angry. And this is one of those games that does that, okay? And it does that because there's no reason, again, for us to have lost the way we lost. We came out flat in the second half. I had a problem with the coaching, obviously. I had a problem with the offensive line. I had a problem with our quarterback, Sam Darnold, which we'll get into soon. But one of the biggest things in regards to coaching was Jeremy Bates and his offensive play breakdown was beyond conservative. I mean, 32 first half plays, only four of them were the standard five to seven step dropbacks. Of the 61 for the game that he called, only 16 accounted for a standard pass. Seven straight of those came during the desperation mode at the end when they were trying to win and Sam went and threw his interceptions. Of, of, of Darnold's, all his attempts, his 31 attempts, one was farther than 30 yards. One was farther than 20 yards, okay? And then the rest of 15 were all 15 yards or shorter. It was just conservative, conservative gameplay. Bulls, the same themes we keep reoccurring. Lack of discipline. You had Crowell wiping his butt with the football. And Tremaine Johnson with the taunt penalty, which are emblematic of the ongoing culture issues in the locker room. Halftime adjustments. 
Bowles cannot do any halftime adjustments ever in the four years that he's been with us. It's incredible. You see guys like Bill Belichick and all these other different coaches that come into games and they're losing or they're they're doing well at the beginning and then they go into halftime and they come out and adjust and still continue to succeed. This coach doesn't know how to do that. And penalties. Six penalties for 55 yards. Another reoccurring theme. What's worse is the penalties are coming at the worst possible times. The Jets lead the NFL with nine pre-snap flags. Net penalty yards is minus 88, which ranks second to last in the league. And it's just, I'm, I'm, very, very upset, and I'm still... Yeah, Tremaine, Tremaine Johnson's penalty, too. That was as boneheaded as it possibly gets. Uh, and one penalty that kind of gets lost in the shot, because Tremaine Johnson gets the penalty on third down, the drive was over. Browns continue a drive there, Mike. A penalty that gets lost in the shuffle, I think, was Claiborne's penalty on that two-point conversion because it ended up being an offsetting penalty. They got to try again, then they got the two-point conversion. I mean, that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Herndon, a horrible penalty on the kickoff, cost of 24 yards. Two false starts, like you said, Mike. So again, lack of discipline, lack of focus, or whatever the case may be. One thing I'm going to disagree, Mike, um, the first two games of the season, the Jets didn't give up any points in the second half. Now, they might not have on offense last week versus the Dolphins done that much in the second half they scored a touchdown and they had two field goals but on defense they haven't really been that bad in the second half until last week when it seemed like it was repetitive and they didn't make any adjustments like you said and you know regardless of that the penalties and the time that we get the penalties if the standard in the NFL is going to be Mike and Jay the standard in the NFL is going to be say for instance the New England Patriots so far as being business-like approach which is very hard for us to say but say that is the standard Mike you're not going to see a player on their team score a touchdown and wipe their ass mm, with the football. Absolutely not. You're not going to see that. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong or I'm judging anybody, but I'm just saying that like, that's the culture they have. For a lot of the teams that are very professional and go about it in a business-like way, you don't see that. They have nothing to do with the, the, the wins and loss of, of the game, that play with Crowell, because it was just a touchdown, Mike. But like you said, it has more to do with the culture that they bring in the locker room with Bowles is allowing. And, and I mean, if you... We, we're not there in practices, Mike, but most teams play like they practice. And... These things, the last two weeks, I mean, they have cost us the game. These penalties have cost us these games, and Sam also factors in, you know, to why we lost, especially this most recent game, more than the Dolphin game, I think. Even that might sound crazy, because he had two interceptions in both games, but this this game, you know, 15 for 31, like you said, most of the passes, Mike, behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of bubble screens, quick passes, and it wasn't working, and instead of changing it up, they kept doing the same thing, like you said, you know? Powell, 73 yards on 14 carries. You know, 16 carries to 34 for Corral. He wasn't as good, but they, when they ran the ball, they weren't doing that bad. They seemed like they went away from that also. Speaking of all the play calling and everything, I don't want to throw this at you guys. Do you think it has a little bit to do with our offensive line that Sam doesn't have too much time to really look downfield? Or, you know, the offensive line has been so bad and, and Sam hasn't had, you know, any really time to, you know, have plays develop downfield. Is the play calling affecting that, you think? Like the, the screens and the, you know, I mean, it's it's been bad. No, I know what you mean. And you know that the Miami game, actually Miami had a lot of pressure on Sam. Yes. These past two games, ton of pressure on Sam has equaled him not having the best performances. Yes. So, I mean, they do correlate. If they're worried they can't protect their, you know, which is the future of their team, which is Sam Darnold, then it makes sense, I guess, to a degree to have quick passes. If what you're seeing is that that's not working, and what you're seeing is like, all right, man, we're going to have to, you know, either coach the offensive lineup better or call, bring in a couple more tight ends. you got to figure out a way to be able to throw the ball yes. down the field. So even if, it, even if the offensive line isn't playing well, which it, the last two games I don't think they really have been, Mike, if we're going to be honest. They, they didn't run black that bad this game, but the past two games, I mean, Garrett, I think I think uh, Miles Garrett had a couple of sacks this most recent game. He was all over him. And Sam had a lot of pressure on him. I think yes. The Miami game, I think he had even more pressure I, I on him. So too. Yeah. But Greg Williams and the defense that the Browns threw at him is one of the more confusing, really aggressive defenses that Sam's going to see maybe the whole season. And this was really a tough environment, if we're going to be honest, that he was playing in. On the road, in Cleveland, they haven't won a game in as long as we know, guys. And He's played three games, and then out of the three games, he's been sacked seven times already in his short career. The offensive line has been just yeah. horrendous in the last two games. Let's just be completely honest, and if mm -hmm. we're really going to be honest, it's not really the entire offensive line. It's the left side. Carpenter and Beecham have been underperforming and are not playing up to the standard that we expect our offensive line to play. Right now, Shell and Winners have been doing decently. We talked about a lot of the bullet points, what disappointed us. We really didn't have too many bright spots in this game, but let's get into it, Mike. Jet football, week three versus the Cleveland Browns. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on For the first time this season, the New York Jets would play on Thursday Night Football. The Cleveland Browns were hosting the matchup in much anticipation 
seeking their first victory since 2016 NFL season. The Browns received the ball first against the stout Jets defense, which resulted in three plays for two yards and a punt. Jets took possession for the first time, which resulted in a similar outcome. It was a short run to Powell for negative eight yards, conservative play calling immediately out the gate. Jets ended up punting the ball back to the Browns. They went again, six plays for 26 yards and a punt. The Jet defense showing signs of strength with Jamal Adams and Avery Williams. Taylor had scrambled for about 22 yards, was tackled by Middleton, which was the only play for a first down in that possession. And it looked like on this drive, Mike, uh, for a second, that Tremaine Johnson got hurt. Um, he came up lame for a second, and they took him off. Basically, so far, we're just exchanging punts here. Back and forth, Jets, Browns, both teams playing great defense. Please continue. The next possession was emblematic of the entire night. First play, Crowell to the left for one yard. Second play, Crowell to the right for two yards. Third play, Darnold, third and long, incomplete punt. That's what they ran. That's what they did. Run, run, yep. throw. Run, run, throw, punt. It's, it was just incredible. All night, this is just happening. On the ensuing possession, the Browns, Taylor was sacked hard, which allowed them to punt again. Jets got the ball back. Powell up the right for seven. Darnold on a screen pass to Quincy for 14 and a first down. Incomplete pass to Pryor and a run for no gain. Set up third and long for Darnold. Miles Garrett with a sack on Sam for a negative six yards and a punt. No deep throws, no calling audibles, no RPOs, no design run throws. Just... Run, screen, run. Five plays, 15 yards, Mike, on that. And the, the, the previous possession on defense, Williamson and McClendon get the big-time sack. And that was all night before Baker Mayfield came in, Mike. That was pretty much what they were doing to Tyrod the whole night. They were getting after him, putting a lot of pressure on him, making him uncomfortable. It seemed like they disappeared once Baker Mayfield came in the game for whatever reason. And then the next Brown, I think, was it another punt, Mike, for the Browns? Yeah, yeah, so this play, Browns would go four plays for 25 yards and a punt, highlighted by Darren Lee's stop on Taylor for negative five yards on fourth down, Colquitt to punt the ball and then this happened here's a punt block it is touched by the jets and out of bounds inside the 30 is kevin pierre lewis kevin pierre louis what's up comes in with the big time block my guy was when i was watching this his name sounds like he's going to be walking down the runway during fashion week in france <laughs> totally agree with you it's gorgeous this dress it's like he just has he's like just, just dropping his fall line of scarves or something tiny pleating only works on a very slim girl like this yeah he just blocked a punt that was a big time play by him we get the ball mike right there i think it was, was it the 20 i think the 28 yard line yes on the 28 yard line uh we ended up doing a short pass for negative one yards darnell complete to quincy for 16 and a first down crowell to, to the right for six and then crowell for this hand off to crowell and he will walk in for the touchdown he powers it right into the end zone mike we go up seven nothing start of the second quarter browns receive the ball henry anderson busts a screen with a huge sack on taylor which resulted in a cleveland punt jet defense showing tremendous pressure already through for one quarter of play jets will receive the ball to execute their best drive of the night Powell to the left for 14 yards and a first down. Powell again to the left for eight. Another run by Powell for eight and a first down. Darnold short completion to Quincy for 16 and a first. First and 10 from the Cleveland 11. Crowell to, to the left for six yards. Crowell to the right for three. Crowell up the middle for this. 45 yards rushing on the drive. Here's a cutback for the touchdown for Crowell. Yes, it was a great run. I think I'm excited about that part. However, Mike, after the run, a little unsportsmanlike conduct on Crowell. Wipes his ass with the football. Uh, not really anywhere for that in the game, even though you kind of get a kick out of some things guys do, Mike. That didn't help us. Kind of a low-class move. Uh, I really wasn't a big fan of that. I know he used to play in Cleveland. I'm not sure what that was about. Maybe it was a big middle finger to Cleveland. Came back to bite him in the ass at the end, at the end of the game. But moving forward, Corral's got to use his head. Yeah, he's, you know, again, and this is, the, how many times is this going to happen on this team with Corral? And because somebody like Tremaine Johnson, and we'll get into Tremaine Johnson in a second, these are the leaders. These aren't the kids. These aren't the draft picks. These aren't the, the young, uh, impressionable, young professionals that we have on this team. These are supposed to be the people that are supposed to lead this team. And they take their, their, their cues from Todd Bowles. And if Todd Bowles can't get them in line, then... You know what, Todd? Maybe you need to find another job, bro. That's another discussion. So anyway, now the game, at this point, the game's 14-0. Big drive for the Jets. Probably the best drive of the night for the Jets, uh, Mike. 10 plays, 63 yards, 5 minutes, 37 seconds. Couple big runs by Powell. Couple big runs by Crowell as well. Anunwa, of course, a big catch. Like, it always seems like he has from Sam. That obviously is his go-to guy, his security blanket. 
14 nothing Jets at this point. I'm you're feeling good. You're on the road. You're getting the ball back in the second half. It's 14 nothing in the second quarter. What could possibly go wrong, Mike? What could What could possibly go wrong, Mike? Of course, right? We're totally fine, aren't we? We're talking about the Jets here, guys. Yeah, we're talking about the Jets. Cleveland gets the ball. It's third and ten. They're done. They pass incomplete. And guess what happens? An unsportsmanlike conduct penalty to keep the drive alive. Thank you, Tremaine Johnson. Yeah, that was, I mean, Tremaine Johnson ha is somebody that we spent a lot of money on. He's a veteran in this league. He's not somebody that needs to be doing anything like that. He's already good enough. If you make a play, just move on with, especially Mike on the road. You know, especially when you have a rookie quarterback. These type of things set you back so far. Every little thing like this matters in a game. When you're on the road and you have a rookie quarterback playing, every point counts. Every every yard counts. And I, I still, I'm just still in shock. It bothered me so much when he got that penalty. It's like, what are you doing? Do you not understand the context? of the game in the moment that you're in. How do you do that? And, the, and these penalties are, bother me the most in this game. More than Sam's play, more than the play calling, more than the loss. It's just like you were saying, Mike, the culture of this team needs to change. It's, this just shouldn't happen. to a, a, These don't happen to playoff teams and Super Bowl champions. It does not happen. These stupid, stupid penalties. Like you said, these are veteran guys. These aren't first-year players, second-year players. These aren't young kids. These are guys that have been around the league and know how to supposed to know how to win. This this is what really, really bothered me. And you know what? It does, it does start from the top. It starts from Todd. It does. And you know what? If he can't change the culture here, you know, it's time to maybe make a change because I think... We have a good future coming, yeah. But if but we have the pieces, we have the money. But if we don't have the leader that's gonna change the culture for us, then you know what? It means nothing. All the players yeah. in the world mean nothing. J JT, this is the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, and we have named this podcast that name because of the actions that this franchise takes. And I'm gonna tell you something that maybe both of you may not agree with me on, okay? But this play to me may have lost. The game. Do you know why Tom Brady exists? Tom Brady exists because we knocked um, Bledsoe out of the game. And in comes Tom Brady and we had to deal with that. And guess what happened with this uh, penalty? We continued the drive. And Avery Williamson ends up sacking Taylor and injuring him and enter Mayfield the next play. So we could actually say if they was just a three and out, maybe Taylor would have been in for the whole game and the Jets would have got a W. And now Mayfield may go on to become a legend. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But it ain't easy being green. It yes, ain't easy. I no, agree. It's not. And I Mike, not I mean, easy. that's like what I said earlier. It's just unreal. Those type of things only happen to the Jets. Mm -hmm. We get Cleveland to punt, but Taylor gets hurt. We get the ball back. We punt. Enter Baker Mayfield. Now we know. It will be Baker Mayfield's debut. Uh, goes down the field, they go ahead, they get themselves a field goal, the Browns, get on the field, get some points for themselves. And they also not only got a field goal, the way he was able to move the ball, you're like, oh boy. It, it looked immediately different. You know, his passes look different. 17-yard strike, 16-yard strike, all back to back to back to back. He did have a J uh, Jordan Jenkins fumble, but they ended up recovering it, and that's how they ended up with the field goal. But yeah, right carved the, the defense up immediately. And you know what? For the game, the end of the game, Baker Mayfield ended up 17 for 23 for 201. Tyrod Taylor was 4 of 14 for 19 yards. So, so I mean, <laughs> it's like, of course he gets hurt. If he doesn't get hurt, he would have just probably kept playing. Yeah. They wouldn't have brought yeah. Baker in. We would have blowout. Maybe yep. Baker plays in some garbage time. But that's not the world the Jets live in. Of course. That's not our world. Of course, of course he goes out and they bring the savior in and... Um, he'll go on. There's gonna be four presidents on Mount Rushmore, then Baker Mayfield one day, and it's gonna be it's gonna be because of the New York Jets knocking Tyron Taylor out of the game, I, I'll tell which, you. which is great. <laughs> so so the Jets get the ball. Uh, they end the half with two incompletions. Start of the second half, the Jets get the ball. Went six plays for 13 yards. Darnold was not sharp on this. He was missing Robbie Anderson, missing Jermaine Curse, which resulted in the punt. The Browns went nine plays. After they got the ball back for 50, 50 yards, starting from their own five, Luvu was great on this defensive scheme. Had some good stops on this drive, which resulted in a punt. Jets get the ball deep in their territory. Carpenter with a false start. Powell up the middle for seven. Tomlinson with a false start. <laughs> it's just Darnold. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so frustrating. Darnold and Mike, can I, can I mention something too, Mike, as we're going through here? Just similar to last week, not only are they getting penalties, but they're losing the field possession battle the last two weeks. Yes, yes. And they're starting That's off the kind of behind the eight ball, then getting a penalty when they're already back. Yes. So and just like you said, Mike, and that, that really, really hurt us, those two penalties right there, yeah. which obviously led to Robbie Anderson fumble. Right. Mike, the past two weeks, Robbie Anderson's had similar types of fumbles. 
when catches the ball, then goes to make a move. Not 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 like he's running with it and someone comes out of nowhere or something like that. Catches the ball, makes a move, and someone just kind of strong arms and rips the ball out. Uh, or knocks the ball out. It's like, in fact, Sam's turning the ball over, and we're also turning the ball over in other ways, too, by fumbling it. You're not going to win games this way. And that's two weeks in a row for Robbie Anderson. It's really, really hurting his stock on the team. I don't know if Robbie Anderson has the physical makeup to play in the NFL. I mean, he's, he's string beanish. You just touch him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the wind blows. He ends up in the stands. You know what I'm saying? The guy has the little wire arms. They just pry the balls out. Maybe, maybe you know, we have to go in another direction here. Yeah, you know what? The one thing that was good that came out of this, Mike, is when the Browns got the ball back, they didn't have to go very far. Jet, they actually had the ball, you know, obviously, obviously very close to the end zone. Jets got a pretty good defensive stop there. Uh, they held him to a field goal, which, you know, 14-6 in that situation after that fumble doesn't seem like that bad of an outcome considering they could have easily just scored a touchdown right away there. Jets get the ball back, Mike, and, you know, this drive was another drive where they had to punt. Uh, two incompletions to a new, another drive where it did not seem like they were doing anything different, just more of the same. And then when the when when the Browns got the ball back there, they went seven plays for 69 yards and scored a touchdown on a Carlos Hyde one-yard run. And it got called back by... And that, and that drive, Mike, uh, two minutes, 49 seconds, seven plays, 69 yards, like you said. Mayfield and Landry on that drive, all of a sudden they clicked. Giant pass to Landry on the field, 29-yard pass to him to the one-yard line. Two-point conversion, Mike, was Claiborne got a penalty. Ended up being an offsetting penalty, which let them do the down over again. Two-point conversion to Landry to tie the game up 14-14. Just another ill-timed penalty, another time, just similar to the Dolphin game where... You can't really have these things happen at a worse moment. If he doesn't get that penalty, they have a penalty on them, and they don't get any points. Right. Now, here's this next drive I thought had some some good things. We ran the most plays of any drive we had of the night was this drive. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing I wanted you guys, both of you guys, uh, to look at here is the first play was a nine-yard run for, for, for Powell for nine yards, and then he rose again for 21 yards and a first, right? Now, the defense is playing more of the run and Darnold ends up completing a pass to Curse for 14 yards, an actual standard pass that actually wasn't one of those screen dump offs, right? Correll, then they mixed it up again. Correll went up to, for four and then Quincy, and then Darnold hit Quincy for 11. That's the type of balance that you need in your offense. You know, you run, you make a good game, then you throw downfield, then you run, you know, you mix it up, how they were doing it. Then it was 3rd and 12 from the Cleveland 19. Darnold complete for 9 yards. They didn't get the first, but Myers kicked a field goal. Now, it didn't end up in a touchdown, but the drive was balanced. It was succinct, and I thought uh, Darnold probably had a little fire under him since Mayfield just went down the entire field and had them score a touchdown drive. 12 plays, 65 yards. They took almost 7 minutes off the clock, so that's what they needed right there. They didn't get a touchdown, but they went back up 17-14. They started the drive at the Cleveland 9-yard line, went down the whole field, were able to kick a field goal in the 28-yarder by Myers. Myers, again, has been perfect so far this year on field goals, even though we were questioning if he was going to be good or not, if we should get Dan Bailey so far, so he missed the extra point, but so far on field goals, he's been perfect, Mike. But it was a good drive. Powell had a 21-yard run on that drive, Mike. Uh, Curse, 14-yard catch. A Newton 11-yard catch. Drive took up a lot of time. At that point, I wasn't panicking, but we didn't understand that at that point. I guess after that, the Baker Mayfield show was going to continue. This next drive for the Browns was not a good one for the Jets, Mike. Plenty of great plays for them. More penalties for us. 15 plays, 75 yards. Mike, why don't you go ahead and break it down for everyone? Yeah, no, it was, uh, 15 plays for 75 yards, another Carlos Hyde TD to take the, the lead, 21 to 17. And the thing here is that a lot of people were asking Todd Bowles, why, what did you do differently in the second half that you didn't do in the first half? And Todd Bowles said we were doing the same exact thing. And if you actually look at the film breakdown, they were doing the same thing. They were blitzing, but what happened is that their def the defense got gassed. And they were not able to come home with those blitzes like they were from the first in the first half. And uh, Mayfield was able to capitalize on that. And it, it just is what it is. The Jets got the ball back and then they started forcing uh, Darnold to throw into defense that was ready and waiting. And it ended up with the two interceptions to really end the game, and that's how the game ended. It was a very unfortunate outcome. That's true. I mean, that drive for the Browns there, dude, 15 plays, 75 yards. Mike, they had, Hyde actually scored a touchdown. They had a penalty. They had a touch. They had it brought back. So for a second, I thought maybe we had a little lifeline throw to us, but no, that's not what happened. Uh, pass to Landry, 12 yards. Chubb ended up running for six. We stopped them twice. First and goal, we stopped them. Second and goal, we stopped them. 
Then Heimlin got the touchdown. After that, two more, two picks for Sam. First pick he threw was one that really, to me, was the most disconcerting. Uh, just because when you watch the replay back, wasn't anyone there really to throw the ball to. He just kind of forced it in there. And the two guys that were there to catch it were two Browns defenders. So and then the, the drive after that, um, he was able to nail you know, a 25-yarder to Pryor down the sideline. And then he threw a pick after that. I guess I won't fault him as much for that one, but another situation where you wish you could be more careful with the ball, because we, we still did have a chance. And if you had Tom Brady, in, I'm not comparing Sam Darnold at this point to get rid of Tom Brady. I'm saying fast forward to the future, Tom, uh, Mike. In the future, when you have a veteran quarterback, if you have the ball with 50 seconds left, even if you have no timeouts left, you think, all right, maybe you might be able to do something. You never know. Uh, and it, we shouldn't just throw away that possession like that interception doesn't matter, because it does matter. Yeah, because if you get to a certain point, over the 50-yard line to the their side of the field, we can throw down the field, whether it's a Hail Mary or another play, that we can hopefully win the game there. Yeah, and, and that first drive, uh, the first time, the first drive he threw an interception on Mike, there was a fourth and 10 there where he got a first down to Curse, which was a big play for Sam, I think. That was a big-time pressure moment in the game. Fourth and 10 completes a big pass to Curse, but interception to Schobert hurt us. The second interception really hurt us, Mike. And, you know, that's kind of the way the, that last interception pretty much for all intents and purposes ended the game, Mike. <laughs> Uh, we know stat-wise, Sam, 15 for 31, 169 yards, two interceptions. He had a 30.9 QBR, Mike, a 30, I think about a 38 QB rating. Uh, total for the day, we only had 268 yards. I mean, that, that that's not gonna that's not gonna get it done versus, versus any team in the NFL, really. I mean, unless you also unless you win the turnover battle, that's not an amount of that's not an amount of yards that's really gonna win any game. Unlike the Dolphin game, the Browns did outplay us. They had more first downs. They had more passing first downs. They were more efficient on third down. Uh, they had more total yards. They had more total plays. They had 14 total drives to our 13. Um, they they ended up, the time of possession was 30. It was pretty much even, 29 to 30. Um, so, And this was Darnold's worst game. I will say on defense, I was very... Uh, pleased with what I was seeing out of the defense. The defensive grades, according to PFF, uh, the best defensive players in this was uh, Avery Williamson with 81.8, McClendon 79.3, Tremaine Johnson 75.3, Buster Screen 74.9, and Jordan Jenkins with a 62.2. So those were the top defensive grades versus the Browns that uh, the Jets had. But, you know, Darnold... And we're gonna to get to into Darnold here in a second, but uh, this was his worst game. He was never, he didn't look comfortable at all. His head was going left to right. Usually, I see him progressing. He's looking calm. He's looking in control. You know, even against the, the, the you know, the Dolphin game, you could say what, what you want about those interceptions, and I, which I totally agree. But at least you know he ended up throwing for 330 something yards, and he was able to go through his progressions and go through the offense. But this this game, he looked like a rookie, 100%. Oh, absolutely, and on defense. Too, Mike, one guy, you're right, I want to give a shout-out to is Avery Williams. He had 14 tackles in this game. One and a half sacks. I mean, he was all over the place. Doug Middleton, he needs a shout-out because we've been talking about him since the training camp, Mike. Doug Middleton, 10 solo tackles, 11 tackles for the game. That's pretty good. You know, seven tackles for Darren Lee, two tackles for a loss. We had a half sack for Henry Anderson, McClendon, Screen, and then one and a half sacks there for Avery Williams. So the defense, as you said, the defense didn't play that bad. They actually played pretty good. They're still ranked really high. They're one of the top-ranked defenses in the NFL right now. Landry killed us. He had eight catches for 103 yards. They targeted him 15 times. So the, the Browns are really, you know, that's really the guy they focused in on. As we know, Mike Hyde had two touchdowns, almost ran for 100. He really killed us. But and so they did outplay us. I mean, on offense, the best player we had probably was Powell at 73 yards rushing, 21 yard long, only averaged 3.6, but he was pretty efficient. A new of four catches for 57. Uh, Mayfield though, man, 17 for 23, 201 yards. Only got sacked once. Didn't throw any touchdowns, but did get a two-point conversion. 94.9 QBR rating. So he really did well when he came in, Mike. He's probably going to go on and do great things in the NFL. Yeah, well, he's lucky he didn't get that. That fumble didn't end up in jet possession, and Doug Middleton pick off that pass. If that had happened, yes, it'd be a whole that's true. Night. Yep. And listen, the Browns aren't the Browns of the past, in, in my opinion. I think they are a very good team. That defense, that defensive front is is. Brutal. Brutal. They get a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. Yeah, right. Sam looked, looked like a rookie last week. And he speaking of did. Sam Darno, let's go ahead and have a little few-minute breakdown of Sam in his first three games <clears throat> and give him some grades. Right about now. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, Mike. So we're three games into the career of Sam Darno, the prepubescent career of Sam Darno. He's just coming out of the womb in the NFL, Mike. First game was good. Last two games, not so much. I want to know your assessment so far. Give him a grade. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel. 
Are you having any type of flashbacks? Are you waking up with cold sweats because of the interceptions he's throwing? Reminiscent of a Mark Sanchez? Mike, please, let the world know how you feel. So far, I'd say Sam Darnold has played well in certain times and not so well in others, which we've discussed already. He's thrown a, for a 300 yards. He's the youngest quarterback to ever have a feat like that. He's also the youngest quarterback for a multi-touchdown game. Of course, he's going to get all this because he's the youngest quarterback to ever start. So everything he does is going to be the youngest. His uh, first game, he's the second highest QBR in the NFL, which is great. But since then, uh, that he's had five turnovers, which is not a good thing. He's 24th currently in total QBR with 38.4, right under Matthew Stafford. He's 28th in passer rating at 72, 26th in completion percentage at 60.2 ahead of Russell Wilson, 21st in yards, 700 ahead of Andrew Luck, and 13th in yards per attempt at 75.54. So, you know, as far as a grade for Sam Darnold as a rookie quarterback, as a normal quarterback, I'd give him a D because he's at the bottom of the, as you, 24, 28, 26, obviously. As a rookie quarterback, I'll give him a C, about a C plus. Okay, stats do matter, as we know. Good stats are indicative of a good quarterback, and they all matter. Sometimes they can be slightly misleading. I know the first game, even though he ended up blowing out the Lions, his first pass was a pick six. His interceptions he's thrown, they're not the type that have been tipped, and then an interception where really was a good read, but the, the, the guy had his arm out, they've all been pretty bad decisions that he's made. Um, that's a little disconcerting, but it's only three games in, like you said, Mike, so if you're gonna, if you're gonna grade him on a curve, I understand that. But nowadays in the NFL, rookie quarterbacks come in from what we've seen, and there's guys that take a year like Goff, and he was not that good of a player his first year, and he was tremendous his second year. Carson Wentz was pretty good his rookie year. The end of the year, didn't play as well, and then was really good his second year. So you're not going to jump off. You're not going to start getting too crazy after two games or three games, whatever the case may be. Even somebody like Josh Allen, who had an okay game last week. But I do know that there's also plenty of quarterbacks that have been able to come into the NFL in the past three or four years and play good right away. Not have to have a learning curve. Not have to be graded as a rookie. You could, if you, you Deshaun Watson as a rookie or if he played in the NFL 10 years, his first six or seven games last year were ridiculous. You know, and there's plenty of, there's a lot of quarterbacks who have been able to come in and be effective right away. There's going to be a learning curve. What I'm hoping with Sam is these mistakes he's making and these things he's doing that are so boneheaded. Like the first interception he threw last week, like the two interceptions versus the Dolphins. I mean, wasn't that accurate with the ball last week? You're, I'm hoping this, what we're watching is the growing pains, Mike. What we're not watching is what he's going to be moving forward as a quarterback. So if I was to give him a grade, I'm not going to really go ahead and use a curve. I'm going to say that the what I've seen so far in three games, probably around a C-minus grade I'll give Sam so far. First game, you maybe give him about a B. The last two games, obviously, you've been failing grades. So it's going to drag the grade down. But let's get the take of Jay Tomasulo. He's here. He's ready to talk about yes, Sam. He's a yes, big-time Sam Darnold fan. <laughs> He's chopping at the bit. What do you think, Jay? What do you think about Sam so far? All right. So my my, my take on Sam, I'm, I'm not going to go with stats. You guys are the stat guys. Um, obviously, we know the most important thing in the NFL with the quarterback is to protect the ball. That's it. Treat it like your baby. It's it's your baby. You don't, you don't give it up, right? So obviously he has some bad interceptions. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna play the other side of this. I feel that this offensive line is really is really the problem here. I feel like his wide receivers aren't helping him at all either. They ha they're having some. They're not getting open. He's not getting time. Another thing I want to bring up is the Jets have played three games in 11 days. All right. True. Now even if I know he's a rookie. Even for veteran quarterbacks to prepare all these games, it's hard for them to do. Let alone a guy, a kid, a 21-year-old kid, just to come in first time in the NFL and play back to back to back like this. Yeah, sure. Not only a quarterback, but the whole team, the offensive line, the defense. You saw it in that second half in the Browns. They were getting tired. You know, I don't think they gave up. I don't think that it's it's the attitude of them. I think they're just actually physically tired. I like Sam. I think he's going to be the future for us. I think he needs to get better. I think this is going to be an up and down year like this. I think yeah. he's going to have very good games and very bad games. But what I like to see is him improving with protecting the football. Yeah, that, absolutely. That two interceptions that comes to my mind is that that Dolphin one, when we got the fumble, that when we caused that fumble, yeah. we're on the 10-yard line in the red zone, he threw it away, interception right in the end zone right away. You cannot do that. We need points there, right? Just like you guys were talking yeah. about the Browns game, that first interception right to the Browns. You know, you can't, they're oh, not even, they're not even make good plays. Yeah. Right? So my, my grade I'm giving Sam for these three games is just like Keith, the C-minus. I'm going with the C minus. I think he had a very good game in the in the first game and the last two games he's been he's been sliding. So hopefully he picks it up again. Yeah, and the three games in eleven days is definitely That's something tough. to note. 
and something that doesn't really happen that often mm -hmm. in a player's career, to be honest. Especially not their first three games yeah, in their career. Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like, I, I don't want to make excuses for the kid. I really don't. You know, we talked about this the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We don't want to make excuses for him because he's going to be our franchise guy, we think. Right? So let's yeah. let's say what it is. You know, he, he, got, he did not protect the ball very well in the past couple games. Right? But he is a rookie. He's 21 years old. And he had three, I thought, pretty decently tough games. That, that Browns defense was tough. And even the Miami game was tough, too. Let's see what happens he, next all week. I, listen, I just asked Sam if I sat down with him tomorrow. I said, listen, Samuel, if you pass and you're not completing 60% of your passes, it's okay. If you're not being able to, you know, throw down field and you have to do dump screens for a little while, that's okay. I'm okay with a lot of things. Do not turn the ball over. That's all I'm gonna ask of you. Just don't turn it over. And the problem I have with Sam is that his weakness in the draft is turnovers. And this is already, there's already five of them. Five in three games, and he has three touchdowns. And you know what? If you are gonna turn the ball over, I better see corresponding touchdowns for those turnovers. If you got like five touchdown, five turnovers, but you got six tees, I'll let it slide. You know what I'm saying? But you gotta be producing, bro. You cannot- Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be plus minus yeah. when it comes to touchdowns, interception ratio. There's just no way around. I mean, I mean, Sanchez's first year, he was way, I had way more interceptions than touchdowns though. And I forget what it is off the top of my head. I think it was something like 12 touchdowns, 19 interceptions or something. He had a whole bunch of fumbles too. His second year was a little bit better. I know it was improved, but he never really, in his, in his third year, the thing with Sanchez was he threw a ton of touchdowns, but he also turned the ball over a lot. Let me tell you something, Jet fans. You just heard three differing opinions on Sam Darnold. Three guys that love the Jets, and no one's jumping off the ship. No one's abandoning ship. We know we're in for the long haul. We won't. We put all the chips into the middle with Sam. Doesn't mean you can't analyze it and then also be realistic about how well he's playing so far. Doesn't mean you're giving up on a young player. All it means is that you need to assess someone as they move forward. Sam's gonna do better. He's our guy. We're all in. Let me tell you something about the word Guys, my jabroni of the week for week three. It's a culmination of the previous three weeks' work by the NFL officials. And what I want to read to you out loud, guys, is the roughing the passer rule. I'll read it out loud. This is exactly from the NFL rulebook right here, guys. A rushing defender is prohibited from committing such intimidating and punishing acts as stuffing a passer into the ground or unnecessarily wrestling or driving him down after the passer has thrown the ball. When tackling a passer who is defenseless, e.g. during or just after throwing a pass, a defensive player must not unnecessarily or violently throw him down and land on top of him with all or most of the defender's weight. Instead, the defensive player must strive to wrap up the passer with the defensive player's arms and not land on the passer. Why I'm bringing this up and why the rest are the jabronis of the week, guys, is there's been a few plays, a few penalties have been called on Clay Matthews recently. Plenty of other players, too. It happened in the Cowboys game versus the Seahawks, where you're seeing quarterbacks throw the ball, a defensive player barely touch them afterwards, get a penalty, or a quarterback not throw the ball, a defensive player make a sack, kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit land on the quarterback, get a penalty. You're seeing guys try to prevent themselves from getting that penalty. And, and they're trying to interpret the rule literally, right? And they're hurting themselves, which happened this week already. My question to the NFL officials, and I guess the NFL as a whole, is how is it possible for anybody to be running full speed at a quarterback? Jay is in front of me. I want to crush you. Mm -hmm. My focus all week is to crush you. I stay you. You're going to throw the ball. It's third and six. This play wins us the game if I get to you. I'm going to run into you full speed. Then after I do that, somehow magically not fall on you? Yeah. You can't defy physics when you're 6'6", 300 pound defensive end, it's mind boggling. And some of the calls that have happened to Clay Matthews and some other players in the NFL, the refs are saying they're interpreting it the right way. They, they said the Clay Matthews penalty last week was correct. The NFL said the same thing. I don't understand what players are supposed to do anymore. The NFL is becoming so watered down when it comes to what you can do to the quarterback that the quarterback soon is going to be like a punter where you can't even touch the quarterback. They're gonna be someone who doesn't even get hit. They're, you know, it just, they're ruining the game. Yeah. They're ruining the spirit of what football is all about. And look, I understand that we have to protect the players. I understand that there's a lot of concussions and a lot of issues down the line when people get hurt. But let me be very blunt about this. We watch football because it is violent. We like to watch this sport. And these players know what they're getting into when they're young kids. Their parents know, the kids know. They sacrifice their bodies to be professionals and they go out there like warriors to play a game that we pay a lot of money to see them get hit. And now you're trying to take the hit out of the game. 
you're ruining the game. And you're not going to have fans like me and everybody else who spends all this money on Red Zone and, and, and all these different types of packages to watch our teams. We're not going to want to watch it anymore because it's not football. So stop messing with the game and let these kids, guys, play. I understand you want to protect them. They made the decision to play football, and we're making a decision to watch it. Let the players be players. Yep, especially the guys that uh, pay all this money for season tickets, too. Oh, how season about that? Season ticket holders. You got two huh? of those people right yep. here on the mic. <laughs> you know, I, I, it just, it's just so funny, and it's a similar statement echoed from all NFL fans, media pundits, players. It just seems like the NFL that we all knew and grew up with, I understand there's, there's concussions, yes. a lot of, there's yep. a lot of variables why they want to protect quarterbacks and protect players, defenseless players, etc. I get it. Mm -hmm. I understand it. And I think most people understand it. But the line has been drawn so far back that now players are injuring themselves trying to hit a guy and stop at the same time. You can't do can't that. Do that. You've been training your whole life to play football. <laughs> it's, it, football, not for nothing. And the, you hear a lot of players say, football is a violent sport. Absolutely. When guys get on this field, they know what they're getting into. Absolutely. You know, to, to try to legislate out the violence of the sport, it's not going to work. Anybody can be big. Okay, week four of the NFL, the one and two Jets will be visiting the two and one Jacksonville Jaguars. As we know, guys, we were able to beat them last year. They lost last week nine to six to the Tennessee Titans in a field goal battle. Not a very good game there. Um, kind of a boring game, but they lost. Titans ended up um, winning that game, but divisional battles, as we know, can be tough. We shouldn't judge the Jags by that. Jaguars right now, Michael, uh, the defense of the Jacksonville Jaguars, fourth ranked defense in the NFL yardage wise, fourth against the pass, 22nd against the rush, though. Teams have been able to actually rush the ball on the Jaguars a little bit this year. 334 yards total against them. Only four sacks on the season for Saxonville, which is interesting. Mm. Um, you know, which is not as many as you'd think they have with the front that they have. Calais Campbell has three of those sacks. Calais Campbell is yeah. actually a monster, as we know. Fowler has a sack. Miles Jack's playing great. 21 tackles. Has an interception. Jalen Ramsey, no picks yet this year. Not a game on paper, guys. You'd think, necessarily, the Jets would be favored to win. We won't be favored to win. On the road again for Samuel against a tremendous defense. On their offense on Jacksonville, right now ranked 20th. We're ranked 21st. Our offense is very comparable. They're 18th in passing, 13th in rushing. Uh, points per game, they average about 19, which is 25th in the NFL. The Jets, on the other hand, we're averaging about um, 25.7, which is 10th in the league right now. Okay. You know, we've had some some good field positioning sometimes. Our yardage isn't there. We're putting points on the bar when it comes to our offense. 21st overall offense in the league after last week, guys. 326 yards a game. 21st in passing, 14th in rushing for the Jets. Defense for us, 8th overall right now, Mike. This is personal. I'm up. Keeping us yeah. in these games. They really are, Mike. Eighth overall, seventh against passing. We're twelfth against the rush. Our scoring defense right now is ranked tenth in the league, which is tremendous. We're only giving up nineteen point three yards. Uh, special teams and interceptions, pick sixes have affected us. Coming into this game, Mike, I know the Jets won't be favored. I know it's another tough matchup for Sam. Jaguars are not as tricky on defense as Cleveland, but they have better players, I think, talent-wise. Cleveland actually has a really good defense too, but Jacksonville might have the most talent on defense in the league. Don't have a great no. offense though. No. So that's why I, I don't think this is the type of game where I don't think anybody should be thinking Jaguar blow. Out, no, nothing like scoring. that. Low scoring affair. I think Jets mm -hmm. will be in the game the whole day. I think it's a scenario definitely where we could win the game. I don't think I, I don't I'm not gonna say I think definitively that Jacksonville's gonna win the game. I don't know. I think that we could play well, Mike. I think we can walk out of there with a W. They're gonna be fired up off last week. They lost nine to six divisional battle. What do you think, Mike? Do you think a Jet W? You think we play well? Do you think we'll be able to move the ball on Jacksonville at all with our young pup Sam Darnold? I think Sam Darnold is gonna struggle once again this game. Uh, I think that our defense better be ready for Blake Bortles in the way he runs. Not His passing really isn't the biggest threat, but his running, like last game, he was five carries for 27 yards, and he likes to really extend plays with his, his legs, so they need to watch that. Uh, Fournette should be healthy again, uh, so our defensive line and uh, uh, Leonard Williams, by the way, Leonard Williams didn't record a stat against the Cleveland Browns and has not has not been living up to his draft availability but this is the type of game that we really need Leonard Williams and let me tell you a problem that fans have with Leonard Williams. They think that Leonard Williams is some sack artist or he should be sacking the quarterback. That's not who he is. He is somebody who stops the gaps, who's able to stop uh, uh, running backs from getting gaining yards, who's able to put pressure on the quarterback, maybe not sack, but he's able to actually fill those gaps, right? So we need Leonard Williams to step up against Leonard Fournette because we know that Leonard Fournette is a bruising back. Keelan Cole and uh, Dave 
Beatty, Westbrook, these guys will kill you. And then remember, they got Austin, Severian Jenkins as well in the middle. So our defense is going to be cut out, but I think that Sam is going to struggle once again down there in Jacksonville against this defense because the offensive line is so terrible. And I don't think Beecham is going to have a prayer against Calais Campbell and oh boy that's not that is not a matchup I'm looking forward to all Calais Campbell's one of the best ends in the league Beecham has not acquitted himself amazingly this year I guess the first game most of the line actually played okay but since then not so much I mean what we're gonna have to look at for this game Mike is for our defense to help make something happen I think if we're gonna win the game but what I mean is not just not a pick six that'd be lovely Mm. what I mean is field position wise because it's gonna be that type of game Bortles on the season five TDs two interceptions first week 176 yards the second, uh, the third week, 155. The middle game, 376 on New England. You know, so his stats overall look okay. When in reality, he's had two kind of duds. One really big game. Blake Bortles doesn't scare anybody. No. Uh, when it comes to their rushing game, though, they have been able to uh, move the ball on the ground. Fournette was averaging 4.6. He only had nine carries, but Yeldon's averaging 4.9 to carry, 153 this year on 31 carries. But they have no rushing touchdowns this season so far. Uh, when it comes to receiving, Mike, you're right. Cole, 210, 15 catches. Westbrook uh, doing okay as well. I I just want to say one thing though, real quick. As you said about New England, they lost this to the Lions. Lions threw the ball all over them and moved the ball. All over them. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Blake Bortles threw for 376. Blake Bortles almost had 400 yards passing in a game. Are the New England Patriots, is their is defense it, that is garbage? It, is it going down? Is, they, is, the, is it? Is the ship going sinking? I don't, I just, I'm going to tell only... you right now, I know the Miami Dolphins are 3-0 right now. I hope they bury the Patriots on Sunday. So one can only hope, Mike. Think. One can only hope. And then we're going to pause for one moment just to see if A.B. gets a touchdown here. Up, uh, no. Jude, you can't hold on to it. So this, um, so this game to me is going to be a defensive battle. Obviously, like you guys said, um, it's going to come down to like field position and protecting the football. You know, if if Sam can protect the football, if we don't have any uh, giveaways, if we take the ball away from them. I think we can win this game. I don't think Sam's going to have a big number day. I think he needs to manage the game. Old school managing the no game. No turnovers. No turnovers. Yep. And our defense needs to step up here. They need to step up, stop the run, and shut Bortles down. Like you said, Keith, he's not scary. I'm not scared of him. I think our D is going to rest up. I think they're going to have this week to rest. They had a long rest. And I think they're going to come out firing. And I think it's going to be another maybe field goal touchdown, you know, Hopefully a win there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of those type of games where all you really need, the what you need people to do for Sam right now on our team is make plays. And what I mean is, if they're going to throw these short passes, Mike, these bubble screens, if they're going to throw a little slant, you're going to need these guys to take the ball and make plays because if we're not going to throw the ball down the field, then we have to turn those three or four yard passes into big gains. That's the only way we're going to be able to do well, especially with Sam. But if he can hold on to the ball, especially first Jacksonville, whose offense is not that scary, I don't think they're going to have a type of offensive game versus our defense, which is really good, where they're going to be able to get out way ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. So if he can hold on to the ball, we don't turn it over. Mm-hmm. No easy touchdowns for them. No pick sixes. Nothing like that. We can hang in this game. I think we can run the ball on them. I know our offensive line has not been that good in pass protection. Running the ball, they've been pretty decent. Um, and our running backs are formidable, at least. They haven't been that great against the run this year so far. I think because they're so ramped up to get sacks, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. sometimes you can actually counter them and get some good runs on them. Hopefully that's what happens this week, and Bates is a little bit more of a varied game plan in the previous few weeks, because Jacksonville, like we said, they don't do, you know, the most tricky things scheme-wise like the Browns do, but the athletes they have and the players they have are tremendous, and we're going to really need Bates to be on top of this game, uh, in this game just like Sam Darno, and him holding onto the ball, us being smart, no stupid mistakes, it's the only way I think that we're going to be able to hang in the game and maybe make a few plays here and there down the stretch and come out with a W. Yep. Yeah, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Myers was cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars, is that right? I believe so, yes. So he's maybe cyborg status on Sunday, just smacking (laughs) 60-yard field goals. (laughs) (laughs) And I really do think they have a chance, and that'll be an interesting game to watch. And as the Jets season progresses, it'll be just as interesting to watch the maturation and the growth of Sam Darnold. Um, We've all been waiting so long. So you know what? Last couple games, not so good, guys. First game was tremendous. All these passes, I think, because we live in New York and because, Mike, previous history with us poor Jet fans is that we've had guys like Sanchez. Gino got thrown in there because of injury, but we had Gino get thrown in. Where we were almost gun shy now. Where we saw him, we saw him, like what I mean is, we saw Sam do great the first game. Second two games, more than one play where we're like, oh God, that was bad. And because of our past with Sanchez, because of our past with Gino and other players, 
who have made plays that you still cannot wrap your mind around, right? You don't, you still to this point, you can't, there's no explanation for some of these things. It, it's in our heads, you know, we're conditioned, we're preconditioned then to be like, oh, oh my God, you know? And I think a lot of what I'll give Jets, Jets fans credit is that a lot of Jets fans right now haven't done that. I think most people are keeping perspective. Everybody's saying, you know what? This is Sam's rookie year. However it goes, it goes. You just want to see as the year goes on, him cut down on those mistakes, eliminate some of these dumb plays, and maybe by the end of the year be more efficient where when he has an offseason, the year under his belt coming into next year, it's a whole different ball of wax, like a lot of quarterbacks coming into year two. I mean, I think but here, here's the thing, though, about Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, you look at Sanchez and you look at Geno, Sanchez had all these plays that were scripted out for him. He wasn't making any reads or doing any audibles or anything like that. Gino, I mean, come on. Both of them, none of them were ever over 60% completion. They were always sub 60, 55, 54. You know, Sam Darnold's right now above 60% completion percentage through three games. And Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold is orchestrating the offense unlike uh, uh, Sanchez or Gino. And here's another thing. If you want to talk about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold in 20 in the year 2021 or 2022 one of those years that's how old when Sam Darnold gets to that year he'll be as old as Baker Mayfield is right now oh, oh that's, I mean yeah it's gonna, it, that's true that's true Baker's got a few yeah. years yeah, that's, and that's like, if he can close that that's one of the interesting things about Sam is he is so young mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we forget that the youngest starter ever week one in the history of the NFL he's a baby he's 21 he just turned 21 he's a kid that's, that's so, what I was saying just a young nubile infant you know, I'm just birthed into the world, still just looking up and just staring up at the sky, doesn't know what's going on in wonderment at all times. And we're going to watch these growing pains happen in front of us. Sometimes you have to change a few diapers. Sometimes you have to clean up crayon that was drawn on the yep. wall. Sometimes yep. you have to do these things as someone grows up. And we're going to be here, AEBG Podcast, every week, Mike, cleaning up the mess. We're going to be there for all the Jeff fans when we have the highs and we're all feeling good. And when we have the lows, like the last two weeks, we'll be here as well. No matter what, you can tune in every week. We'll be here to rock and roll with you guys. Uh, this was another tremendous, amazing, spectacular edition of the Easy Being Green podcast. Michael, can you let everybody know where they can find us, support us, tweet at us, and some social media. Mike, let them know. Oh, you could tweet at us at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast. On Instagram, find us at jet.aebg. And on Facebook at AEBG.jetsradio. You heard the man, everyone. That's where you'll find us. I want to thank amazing Jet fan, diehard Jet fan, Jay Thomas Rua for joining us this week in studio at Crystal Lake. Thank you very much, Jay. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for having me. JT's in the building, guys. One of the AEBG family. On behalf of my colleague and co-host, Michael Lagaris, my name is Keith Farrell. Signing off for this week. Get at you next. Are you ready? Can't wait. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans Jet are Jet fans. Jet fans. very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't believe it.